on the eldership team in Johannesburg at a church called Cornerstone for a number of years and been able to actually do missional work into many nations around the world. And still today, they're still working into a lot of churches, um, but it's great to have them here. Um, they just live up the road, <laughs> the locals. Uh, but the great thing about Paul and uh, Monica is that they're hard to see uh, Christ lifted up in people's lives. And they come with just a, a, a prophetic edge, but also whatever God's laid on their heart to share this morning. Let's be open and let's be encouraged by that. They serve also on the NCMI Apostolic Team, who we partner with um, as a local church, which is uh, reaching into over 100 nations around the world. Um, so that's exciting. Uh, God is uh, doing some great things through what we do is, uh, in partnership with the team. But today, they're going to just sow into our lives of us, church. I love the fact that when... Um, when we receive a righteous man or receive a prophet, you receive the reward that comes with them. And these two are an amazing couple. Um, but what, if we're willing to open our hearts and say, God, what are you going to share with me this morning that would shape my life? I'm willing to be open. So that's what we need to do this morning. So we're going to pray for them. I'm going to just release them to actually go for it. So Father, we just want to thank you for Paul and Monica, Lord. I just want to thank you for the gift they are to the body of Christ. And this morning, Lord God, as they've come from so far just to be planted here in Aotearoa, New Zealand. I just want to thank you for the investment they've made into many lives already in this great nation, Lord God. And Lord, I pray that you'll bless them, that you'll keep them, and that your face shine towards them, Lord God. Bless them this morning as they share in Jesus' name. Amen. Right. Wonderful. Bless you. Good morning, everybody. You guys all good? All right. Now that my butterflies are all flying in the right direction, I can get going. Um, it is a, a real honor and privilege um, for us to be with you. Um, if I'm entirely honest with you, I think every, every time I get an opportunity, I'm still quite, quite humbled and sometimes still feel like I'm a little bit in denial uh, that I get opportunities to speak and share something of what God has placed on our, on our hearts and uh, for God bringing us to this nation. Um, as you can hear, I'm South African, very South African with a Dutch background. Uh, my wife has a German background, and uh, we, uh, in two weeks' time, we'll be married for 11 years. Uh, our daughters are turning seven. Exciting, exciting season, but uh, just absolutely delighted that we can be with you this morning. We feel so, so loved. We've, you know, we walked in and felt like we were part of this church and part of the family, and you know, that is just sentiment to the leadership um, of this church, but also to the sentiment of who you are as a church, opening your doors and I believe, um, right at the end of, of my message, I think, I, well, I, think I, I believe God has shared a word with me, which I want to just leave with you guys, because I believe you, what you see is only yet the beginning of what God has called you to as a church. And, and if we all collectively can begin to own and believe that, I believe that there's going to be some momentum and some growth that God is wanting to bring with you. And so I want to commend you this morning for being here. Um, my intention this morning is to try and kickstart your series, your, your apostolic adventure series. And uh, as I was toiling this week and when Joe spoke to me, I had so many thoughts that was going in my mind, but I felt the Lord lead me to this particular passage of Scripture, which I'm going to use to launch what I'm saying. If I'm speaking a bit fast, you are most welcome to just do this. I won't be offended. I won't leave midway through the preach. Um, I, I do get excited, and then when I do... Um, those in the spit zone, I'm really sorry. Um, but no, just uh, feel free to just slow me down because when, uh, when I get excited, one, you deal with an accent, and two, man, I can just ramble. So are you okay with that? So can you practice a little bit like this? 
Praise God. No worry. So it's like you're waving. If I wave back, I've missed, I've missed what you've said. So um, what I bring this morning will challenge you, no doubt. But I'm asking that you would take what has been said and apply it to your life. You know, Matthew chapter 13 says is that when the seeds are sown and it falls on good soil, we'll reap a harvest 160 and 30 fold. And so I'm asking this morning that if you're uncomfortable and maybe you're a little bit offended with me, that you'll wear your big boy pants and big girl pants and you'll make the adjustment because I believe God has wanted to bring a challenge. I'm going to set a platform and then hopefully for these men and women that come after me, I've done them justice in order to build. So if you have your Bibles with you, um, can you please turn to the book of Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. I'm going to be reading from the ESV version and uh, in my scriptures, I'll be jumping between different translations but I believe that you'll, that you'll follow with me. Are you there? Okay, great. So this is what it says. It says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel. Can you say proclaiming the gospel? Of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion. Can you say compassion? For them. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. So therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. There's Jesus looking upon the crowds and something deep down inside of him begins to pull on the strings of his heart. It says that he had compassion as he looked upon the people because they were hopeless, they were lost, and they were broken. And I don't know about you, but something of this picture is even true for us today. You don't have to look far as a church. You don't have to look far as individuals to look into your community and begin to see something of the lostness and the brokenness that our communities are facing. You read the news, even in... Even in the four years of us being here, I'm looking at the news and I can see something of the headlines, something of the climate changing, of the lostness and the brokenness of our nation. And the thing that stirs me most every time I sing the national anthem is because there's a prayer to be made, God of nations. And this nation was founded upon something of the truth that actually Jesus is and still will be the answer for our nation and the nations of the earth. And when Jesus looked on the crowd, he had this compassion. I don't know about you, but I look into society and I begin to see people's lives fall apart. And I see marriages are broken up. Why? Because people have now begun to resort to their own way of doing life. And I can tell you one thing. When we begin to, to, to remove Jesus out of society and out of the way in which we build our lives and our marriages, can I tell you, we are going to get unstuck. You see, people are hurting and vulnerable because, one, they don't know who they are, but most of all, they don't know this wonderful relationship with Jesus. And the more we speak to people and the more I come across people, as people have lost purpose, people don't know what they're called to, people don't know what the future holds. And so I want to say to you this morning, as I begin to lay a platform, is have you lost compassion for what's happening in society? Have you lost compassion that actually, as a society, we've slowly but certainly begin to remove Jesus out of parliament, and we slowly but certainly begin to remove Jesus out of schools? Can I ask you, what do we think will happen? But there's a call for us as the church to say that Jesus is still the longing of this nation. In the very fiber and the foundation of this nation, Jesus is still the only one that will make sense for our situations.
And I might say to you this morning, you might be visiting, you've been here for a while, and you might feel like your life is starting to fray out of control. Can I, still, can I say this to you confidently so that Jesus is still the answer for your life? You might not know Jesus this morning. Can I say to you, he's more intentional about you than you are about him. And that's the message that we carry. And Jesus says, as he had compassion on the people, he said to the disciples, look at the harvest. Look at the harvest. The laborers are few. The harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. And I want to say to you this morning, confidently so, is that we're living in a time where the harvest is plenty, but the mobilization of the priesthood is very slow. We are slow on the uptake. We are slow to respond to society. We are slow to respond to say to people, actually, we have another way of living. Please don't be offended. Because Jesus was trying to grab the attention of the disciples. The age-old dilemma. There are many people who need Jesus. But what happens is the church has started to take the back foot because we're more about worried about ourselves, how good our poor, no doubt defending people, how good our programs are. But actually, he's saying the harvest is plenty. You know, in John chapter 4, Jesus said, uh, in, in John chapter 4, verse 34, it says, my, uh, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish the work that I began. Jesus came on the earth to begin a work. Can I say to you this morning again, God is calling you again to continue what he started. And he says this in verse 35, don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest time. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe unto harvest. I'm here this morning to say to you, the gate, the harvest is plenty. Will you this morning again be encouraged? Will you be re-envisioned to say, actually, you'll make your life count. The gate, you'll make yourselves count in this community and in this nation and the nations of the earth. Can I say to you, when we begin to only think of our community, we think small. Can I say to you, despite, if, if you look at the people and the ethnicities, Samoan, German background, Dutch background, any other, any other um, nations here represented? Maori. Maori, yes. Whenua, right here. We have been called to, to, to preach the gospel to the Tangata Whenua. We are called to go to Samoa and preach the gospel. We are called to reach the South Africans, believe it or not. And let me tell you, there are many of them coming. I read a stat this week. 20 South Africans a day are coming to New Zealand. Because you know why? People are hurting. People are lost. People are feeling hopeless. And I can tell you one thing. They're coming to a nation. We need to rise and we actually need to begin to bring them back to a place to say, once upon a time, we were the nation that were reaping the greatest harvest into the world. And I want to say to you this morning, the, the gate, it's time to begin to think bigger than who you are and what God has called you to. It's time to begin to stretch yourselves and say, actually, there are people waiting on the other side of your obedience. And unless we begin to feel what Jesus is feeling, unless we begin to see what Jesus is feeling, we will never begin to do the thing Jesus began and we will never continue to do that. Why? Because we have been called to a time and a space now for churches where we become complacent, we become lukewarm. And actually when we read scripture, it says when we are lukewarm, there's only one response from Jesus, which is spews us out of our mouths because either it's hot or it's cold. Right? So when I'm busy prepping, I sometimes have coffee or tea there, but coffee doesn't last long. I might make myself a cup of tea. But I find myself sipping, and then it's like, 
oh, this is disgusting. Then I go to the microwave, don't be, and I put the cup of tea in the microwave for 30 seconds because then it's just nice enough for me to enjoy. And I'm asking that this morning that there'll be something of a fire that will burn up in your hearts and in your lives again to say, actually, we are beginning to catch a wake-up because Jesus says, can't you see? Don't wait four months for the harvest. He says, look now, look at the fields. They, they, they ripe unto harvest. And I wanted to say to you this morning that Jesus is calling us again to be the great mobilizers, those with a mandate to be apostolic and going. God has not called you and called us as a church or the church in this nation to become settlers. He hasn't asked us to become those who, who build nice little things. And, and those things are nice. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But he's called us to be pioneers. He's called us to be people who will break into new regions. He's called us to break into the lives of those who, who, who we feel compassionate about, those who we feel God has called us to. That's why I said the Samoans, the Tongans, the Maori, the Germans, the South Africans, if I may add that as well, because by the sheer nature of who I am, I will attract people. By the sheer nature of who I am, will open doors. What about the doors and the opportunities that you are presented with? God is saying to you, gate, the gate, it's time. The harvest is ripe. It's time to send workers. It's time to be laborers. That's my apostolic adventure that I can begin to share with you. I'm not here. Can I, can I be honest? We're not in New Zealand because we ran away from South Africa. And I know it's not true for everybody because let me tell you, if you want to pray for a nation, you pray for your own nation, but please pray for South Africa. There's all sorts of stuff happening. But we left because we felt God called us here. I was standing in a meeting one day and I felt God say to me, let the distant shores rejoice. And I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, so I write it down. It's like, you, know, you look and then there's Africa and Asia and Australia. And then it depends what map you look at. New Zealand never even, they cut the map there. <laughs> It's like, um, where do you live? Now I live, I'll live here. But he said, he says, I felt distant shores. And as we begin to work out the prophetic call, in a sense, I felt God call us to this nation. And you might sit here this morning and you might look at me and you might be incredibly fooled with my nice blazer, right, and my Converse shoes and no socks. I've got socks, secret, they're in there. Someone says, I never see you wearing socks. I wear socks, they're very secret. So they're on a mission. But don't be fooled by what you see because can I say something to you is that I came from a background. That's why every time I stand, I'm incredibly mesmerized and perplexed that God would use me. That God would bring me from Africa, from a small little town, from, from a family who, 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 man, we've got, let me tell you, we've got a divorce rate that will shock most people. My, my mother and father were both married before. They were both alcoholics. They were divorced. Let me tell you, I was born out of wedlock. I was shocked. But here I am. Nothing I've done. But God sends us. God mobilizes. God looks upon the lives of people who make them available to say, actually, we don't want to live our lives with regret. When I met my wife, I said, one thing we will never do. We will never, ever live our lives with regret. Or by regret. I don't know what the right English is, but I'll go with that. Because I don't want to look back at my life and say, I had every opportunity to make Jesus known. I had every opportunity to lead my wife in a godly way. I had every opportunity to lead my kids in a godly way. Let me tell you, my kids have got battles. I am having, at the age of nearly seven, having to, to teach them about the gospel. This last month, they came home and said to me, so dad, when, when, um, when, 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 we, when mom and dad are tired of each other, what did they say? No, when they're tired of each other, 
then you can just give them the ring back. And then, and I was shocked. I was like, you know, now I've got to bring them back to the gospel. I've got to bring them back to saying, actually, no, we are believers. We, we believe in something. And, 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 if, and can I say something? If, if, please don't, if, if you've gone through a divorce, I'm not trying to be insensitive. So please hear what I'm saying. But these are the challenges that are faced in our society. And I have to bring them back, my kids, to a place to teach them what the gospel says. That we learn to live our lives sacrificially. Can I say something to you? You are not the end user of the gospel. Can I elaborate for a moment? It doesn't mean, sir, that you are now a Christian, that you can now sit back with your lazy boy, pop up the legs, sip your pina colada, and flick through Sky TV because life is fine. And do online shopping and get countdown to deliver it at your front door because life is great. Right? But what we've done is we've treated the gospel like we are the end users of the gospel. Like now that we're saved, it's fine. Thank God I've just... Whew, Thank God I've just made it. You still have the stench of hell on your clothes, but thank God I've just made it. No, can I say, if it wasn't for someone else's obedience, if it wasn't for someone else's faithfulness, if it wasn't for someone's prayer, if it wasn't for someone's time, if it wasn't for someone's compassion on my situation, let me tell you, I would be a divorced very lonely, broken man today, most probably an alcoholic, most probably riddled with problems, but someone believed in me. Someone saw in me the value that Christ saw when they looked at my life. Let me tell you, the woman, the lady, the woman doesn't sound right, but the lady that saved me was the girl that I dated's mother. And you know what she made me do? She allowed me to sleep on her couch. Let me tell you, as a father, I would never let me sleep on no, no, no one's coming close to my couch. You can stay on the property, you can live in the garage. I'll give you a bucket and water, and you can have a pass to come in when. I, I can tell you, because man, I was wicked. Let me tell you, there was wickedness in my heart, but someone believed enough in me to make their couch available to come and say, come and sleep there as much as you needed to do, because let me tell you, I was confused. My parents were divorced. They were alcoholics. We slept in cars. We had to run. My father was abusive. But someone believed, enough, believed in me enough to say, actually, on the other side of the obedience today, I'm standing on the other side of the earth, that little, little island right here, having the awesome privilege to share with you, to say to you, let's not miss the opportunities that God has called us to. In his response to this, Jesus says the harvest is plenty and the workers are few. You know what he does? When he reappears to his disciples, and just for the sake of time, he goes, if you, if you read Matthew 28, towards the latter part, it says that he reappeared to his disciples. Some began to worship him. Some doubted him, which hopefully I'll get to in a moment. Some doubted him. But he said this. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to you. Therefore now go. Make these apprentices of Jesus. Go into all the nations. So he didn't say to you, um, I'm really sorry, but um, you're, not you're not qualified enough. You, you, nothing will give in to you. We need to, we need to look, we're looking for the qualified people. Or, no, you know, you, no, no. no. Yes, okay, yes, you're qualified. Um, you look like you come from a good family. Okay, yes, yes. I'm going to give you the instruction. He says, no, no. He says, with those who even doubted, those who were unsure, he says, no, no, I give you, please don't be offended. 
Um, he says, I give you all authority in heaven and earth to go out into the world. And, and Mark chapter 16, verse 15 says, go into all the world and share this good news about Jesus to all creation. If it moves, you preach. If it moves, you preach. You tell them about how wonderful it is to know Jesus. Because I can tell you right now, I'm grateful that someone went after me. I'm grateful that someone took the time to believe that actually they would leave the 99 and go and find the lost strangler right there. Because I told you, man, I had problems. And you know what the worst was? I hated her. That woman, I and, and we don't use the word hate. It's a very hard word. In our home, we don't talk like that. But man, I hated her guts. You know why? Because every time I walked into her house, she saw right through me. And then I left. I phoned my mates. I said, you've got to come and fetch me. This woman's driving me insane. But you know what? She loved me. I've never ate so many hot dogs in my life. Really. I, every time I mock her. I, I, and, and, and this is not the girl I dated, so it's not her mother. So I broke up with this girl and I stuck around. And today this wonderful lady is like a mother to me. I ate hot dogs. I've never seen people buy Chinese, chuck it in one bowl, mix it, serve it. But you know what? It was... They had me because that rescued me. Because they understood something of the value that God has placed. Can I, can I say, have you, don't give up on the people that you think cannot be saved. Don't give up on the people that you think God can never save them. Because let me tell you, I fell right into that category. Maybe you're here this morning and you're beginning to think. What about that person? Can I say, don't give up on those people. Be the salt, be the light, be the salt at season people's lives. Be the one that brings taste and difference into people's lives. By the very sheer nature that you love Jesus. Because let me tell you, there is no greater privilege on this earth for us than to serve Jesus. There's no greater privilege for us than to lead people into a reality of knowing who their Savior is. And so Jesus says, go, 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 go into all the world. Begin to preach. Begin to tell people about this, this wonderful news. And so this is not a great suggestion. Can I say this? It's not a great suggestion. Matthew 28 verse 19. We, we look at Mark chapter 16 verse 15. It all speaks of the very same thing. Go into all the world. Make disciples, preach the gospel. If you look at the Old Testament, what did God do to Abraham? He said to Abraham, he says, I'm going to raise you up to be a great nation because through you, Abraham, because of what I'll do in your life, you'll become a blessing to the nations. And what he did is he proclaimed the gospel in advance. He says to them, you, Abraham, your family, your descendants, the seed that is within you, you will become a blessing to the nations. Can I say, we are the descendants of Abraham. And as God declared something of the gospel in advance, can I say to you again, inside of you is something of the promise that God once made, that through you, you will become a blessing to the nations. You'll become a blessing to this nation and the nations of the earth. And we need to begin to live that, and we need to begin to believe that. Because can I tell you, the devil has us right where he wants us. 
makes us feel like we're inadequate, makes us feel like we are unqualified, makes us feel like we've got to do more. You don't know where I've come from. Can I say to you, if you only began to hear something of my story, but I made a decision one day to say, until Jesus comes back, I'm going to take every opportunity captive to be this ambassador that has been entrusted with the gospel. Because Paul says, I'm not ashamed of this wonderful news. I'm not ashamed of the power that God came to save me. And some of you, you are saved into families. And I can tell you, you are ridiculed in the families that you are. It's rough and it's tough. But can I say, you can be the catalyst of change only if we begin to lean and, and, and stand on the promise that God has called you and me both to be these ambassadors that represent not this earth, but represent something of a kingdom, something of an order, something of a reality that is so different that this world needs. But you know what? We've become navel gazers. We pick here and look at the fluff. And we keep looking down here when he says, actually, no, begin to lift your heads. Begin to look and see. Can I say it's, it's, it's more than just good programs or social justice. It's about actually giving people what they really need is this wonderful news that while we were sinners, while we were once lost, while nobody believed in us, he says, while we were in that state, he says, he already loved us. Isn't that amazing? Romans. Blows my mind. That's probably one of my favorite scriptures. While we were sinners, God loved us enough to say, I'm gonna send my son Jesus for you. And so today, as you know Jesus, can I say to you, the very sheer nature of you being in this church, is, Joe, can I say this? God has called you to be a blessing to this nation. God has called you to be a blessing to the nations. God is saying, it's time to think big. It's time to believe for more because without faith, it's impossible. Don't look at the smallness. Don't look at the prophecies as, as Joe said. Don't look at the promises and begin to think, how is it ever going to work? Because Romans says, it says, Abraham, without hint, wavering in his faith, believed God, took him at his word. Can I say, when God begins to speak and plant seeds, can I say to you, church, it's time for us to stand in faith because without faith, it's impossible to please him. Because why? Because God's called you to be a blessing to this nation. You are not too small. You are not too insignificant to be a catalyst of change, a catalyst of saying that God has placed something within you to change and radically shift this nation, this neighborhood, and the nations of the earth. Man, that, that, can I, can, I'm passionate about this because you know what? The problem we face is this, as the devil begins to blind us and feel like we are not big enough, we are not good enough in order for us to be those that can make a change. And I'm hoping this morning that something of a fire is turning in your belly to say, actually, where you are, the, can I say the mum with the baby, where you are, God, wherever you go, where you pray, where you stay, and where you play, God has called you to be a blessing. We better believe that. Do you believe that this morning? And so he's called us to be these ambassadors entrusted with the gospel. Let me read you this. Are you still with me? Wonderful. Not going too fast. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17. If you can turn with me there. I'll read it to you. From the Passion Translation. It says now, 
If anybody is enfolded in Christ, so the other translations say, anybody who is now in Christ, he has become an entirely new creation. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. Isn't that like when you get born again? When you accept Christ, you're like, the sun is shining. It even smells different. Hey? Who remembers, those, who remembers the time that you found your first love? Jesus, not your wife, please. Yes, who remembers that time? Only a few of you. Oh, my word. So I'll try again. I'm going to pray. I'm going to go to where there's, there's a response. So just, that's how preachers do it. You just go where you feel good, no? No, but who, who remembers that? The first time you received Jesus. Some of my problems were still there. Right? True? Chris, sometimes life is tough. Sometimes we've got to contend. I, I, um, I'm working on another thing is how to, how to respond when we face giants. I got born again. I, I accepted Christ. I still had challenges. But all of a sudden, I knew the God that were bigger than the challenges. Bigger than life itself. Something happened in my life. I, I fell in love with my first love. I was like, man, I've been missing something. So imagine those unsafe people today who don't know Jesus. Do you know the one thing you can't do in heaven? Any takers? Any, anybody want to guess? One thing you can't do in heaven. Any takers? Take a guess. You can get a chocolate. Hold on. Any takers? Cry. Oh, yeah, that's a good answer. That's not the one I was looking for, but you can have it. It's not my chocolates. Anybody else? Happy birthday. <laughs> no, but you know, the one thing that you and I will never do in heaven besides not crying is we'll never, ever be able to preach the gospel. We'll never, ever be able to tell anybody about Jesus because why? Everybody who will be in Jesus will know him. I mean, what did I say? In Jesus. Everybody in Jesus will be in heaven. We'll never ever have this opportunity available now. The time we're living is ripe unto harvest because Jesus died on the cross. He's ascended to the heaven. He's first coming. But then there's going to be a second coming when Jesus returns again. And this period between Jesus' first coming and Jesus' second coming, we will never ever have this moment available to us ever again. And we need to do whatever it takes to be these, these ambassadors that represent something of the order, something about the message of, of salvation, something of the message of forgiveness, something of the message of reconciling people back onto God, despite their past. We will never ever get this moment to ourselves again. Let us not take this for granted, but let us rise up as the church. Rise up as men and women to say, actually, we will take every opportunity that we have available to ourselves captive for the king and for his kingdom. And it says this then in verse 18 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says, and God has made all things new and reconciled us to himself and given us the ministry of reconciling others to God. Can I say, you want to know what you've been called to? Because I hear that all the time. I don't know what God's called me to. And the other thing I often hear, people can't hear God's voice. I don't know whether you what God's saying. But you want to know what God's called you to? There it is. It says he has given us 
the ministry of reconciling others to God. In other words, it is as though the anointed one, speaking of Christ, that God was shepherding the world, not even keeping record of their transgressions. And he has entrusted us the ministry, I love this language, of opening doors of reconciliation to others. It's as if he's saying, it's time for us to become those again, like gentlemen who will begin to open the doors to the side and says, come, come in here, come and meet the one who changed my life. Because the gospel is good news. And beautiful are the feet of those who share good news. For some of us, the gospel is no longer good news. For some of us, the gospel has become the inconvenient news. For some of us, it's become the news that will see me ridiculed. The news that will see me ousted from our family because they don't want to know nothing about the Christians. Who's been in that position? Yeah? But let me tell you, people are looking, people are watching our lives. I was working in the marketplace, I was working for Barclays Bank, and uh, I do share the story from time to time, but there's an American food brand called Hooters, and because of this predominantly kind of... Uh, Technical business, all the guys said once a month we would get together, we'll go and have a, uh, a meal together, and then the guys would obviously have a, have a drink. And the guy said, oh, no, no, this new brand opened, we'll take you there, we're going to go there. And let me tell you, guys, don't, if you don't know what it is, don't go search it. Don't, but all the people who work there, um, the, it's only women, and their clothes looks like they've washed it in the wrong setting, because the clothes are small and very tight. And I actually said, it, I said, actually, you know, I can't, I can't do that. I can't, one, put my wife in that position because she doesn't dress like that. Uh, this marriage for me is important. And, and as a Christian, for me personally, in my own, in my own heart, there's a conviction, I, I can't do this. And they tried to convince me and I stood my ground because they knew I was a Christian. But um, they eventually changed the plans. My director changed the plans. We went, I don't know, went to have pizza or something. I can't remember what we did. And I found it quite interesting because I never pushed them to change it. I just said, you do what you need to do. I'll keep working. I'll knock off at five. You go have your beers and whatever you want to do. And, and not long after that, one of my colleague's son fell into a pool and drowned. And they, they managed to resuscitate the boy. And, and you know, the boy, never, the boy never got killed, but he was in a critical condition. And I actually got a message from this guy to say, man, I know you're a Christian. Can you do me a favor? Can you pray? And it's in my mind because I wish I thought I'd done something great, but actually just by the sheer nature of who I was and the message that I carried, guys were like, I, 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 I need to be, I need you, I need to pray because actually, let me tell you, people know deep down inside that there's a God. People deep down inside, my, my, my stepdad died many years ago. He was quite opposed to church. Let me tell you the, the greatest, sweetest moment. Was, he was in the hospital bed and he was dying. And I, I'd, I said to myself, I've got one opportunity to go and share the gospel with him. He's either going to chuck me out, but who cares? He's probably going to be dead in a day or two, sorry, without being insensitive. And I walked into the room and I said to him, man, I want to tell you something today. I said, 
I don't know where you've been. I, I don't know what your understanding of God is, but, but I want to come tell you today that actually Jesus loves you. And that actually you are lying here today and you are in a desperate situation. And I know the one person that you need more than anything else on this earth. No doctor, no medical health care, no nothing. Because let me tell you, I looked at him and it wasn't that I didn't have faith. Maybe I would have tried to raise, cast the demons out and raise him from the dead now. But I was, I was, a, I just knew one thing. I needed to tell him about Jesus. And I shared with him and I said, can I, can I pray with you? And he says, yeah, I'd love to pray. And I was like, I want to fist pump, eh? Like I'm at a rugby match. And I said, what I'm going to do is, I was, I was trying to put church structure to leading him to Christ. And you know the church structure, follow after me, and then you, you know, repeat the prayer. I don't know who got saved like that. I never did, but it works because we help people and they pressurized and they're trying to think clear and people are emotional, so it helps. So I just said to him, repeat after me. And I said, dear Jesus. And he said, dear Jesus. And then he had his foot on the accelerator and he just went. He says, I need you today. Come into my life. I'm f- I asked that you forgive me. I didn't even lead him in a prayer. He just went because why? He was ready. He needed Jesus. I stood there. I was like, what am I doing here? You know, and, and, and I didn't even have to put the words in his mouth, but he was, he was in a position that he knew he needed Jesus. And even in the last moment of his life, everything culminated into one thing that he knew deep inside of him. Something of the DNA, something of the very nature, something of the heart, and something of the love of God was within him. That he knew he needed Jesus. And I can tell you, when I look at that moment, I was like, thank God that I was there. Thank God that I had the opportunity. And some of us, can I say, some of you, through everyday life, is God is going to use you to sneak some seeds. And if we can begin to believe that God can use us to, to plant seeds in the lives of people. You see, some, some, some will plant seeds, right? Some of you will water, and some of you will reap. That, that's the natural progression. You can't water the ground without a seed in it. You can eat strawberries if you jump over your neighbor's fence and then take their strawberries. But you know, you never put the seed in the ground. And God is, and and hear me, because I think this is a practical element, is that we need to learn through everyday life to begin to trust God for open doors for us, the church, to sneak seeds in people's lives. Because some will water and some will reap. But unless we are front-footed with planting the seeds... And telling people of God's amazing plan of reconciling himself unto them. God is saying, let us become, in a sense, the gentleman that will open the door again. And allowing people to walk through. And to this glorious inheritance that God has set aside. That one day, when he returns, we will be united with our Father in heaven. But you know what? We're not there yet. And whilst we are not there yet, there's some work for us that needs to be done. And so that scripture, just for the sake of time, I just wanted to wrap up. That Corinthians chapter 2 verse 5, verse 17 to 20. Can I encourage you? Go and read it because actually that's a preach in itself. It says that we are ambassadors. He's called us to open the door. And we are those who carry the message of Christ to the world. And it says through God... 
we are, we are to tenderly plead. The Passion Translation says, tenderly pleading through our lips. This incredible message. While you are far from Jesus, while you are broken, while you are hurting, he says to you, can I take your hand for a moment if you don't mind? He says to you, to the stranger and the people at work, the people in our nation and the nations of the earth, he says, he says, deep down inside, Jesus is still the longing. And he says, he tenderly wants to plead through your lips that today you need Jesus. And so what we do is we take people from a world system that is broken and hurting and coming hard at them. And then we take them by the hand and we bring them and we place them in the hands of a gracious Savior that says, if you believe in your heart, we confess that Jesus paid this incredible price. Long before Jesus came, through Abraham, he knew that he wanted to restore and bring back unto himself those that are lost. Those that know him. He says, I want you to be a blessing. And so again, I'm reminding you that you've been entrusted with the message of the gospel. But you see, Jesus came to do what? Luke chapter 19, verse 10. It says, Jesus came to do two things, amongst many other things. But it says, Jesus came to seek and he came to save. It's time again for us as the church to get back to seeking and seeing people saved. It's time for us to go hard after the unsaved. So he came, he was looking to see. He was proactive, he was busy. But what he came, he seeked them out in order for them to be saved. So can I say this to you, maybe as, an, as, I, as I end this, because I, I think this is important and this is necessary. You see, Paul encourages Timothy to, in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4 and 5. He says to them that you've been called to do the work of an evangelist. Can I, can I say to you this morning, is don't leave evangelism to Joseph and Lids and the leaders. Yes, it's their job in part, but each and every one of you, God wants to tenderly. I love that, eh? So compassion, tender. He wants to make this appeal known through you. That Jesus is still the longing of this nation. You and I are both called to impact and to see radical converts made in this nation. And the biggest lie that you can believe today, I've said it already, I just want to feel like I need to echo that, is the biggest lie that you can believe is that you're insignificant. God uses ordinary men and women to make a difference. Can I say, He uses the unemployed. He uses the teachers and the mothers at home. And the pastors. And the engineers. And the pilots. 
Because when you, when you, when I did this, um, when I was preparing this, I couldn't help but to think again of the disciples that Jesus chose. And let me tell you, most of them would would fail some recruiting process. Either too young, too wild. So Peter, he was between 20 and 24. Remember the time when Peter walked on water and then the other time he didn't? Fail, uh, this CV, chuck this. You can't walk on water. You once did, but now you can't. Ah, nah. What about James and John, fishermen? Ah, smelly, nails are dirty. We don't, want, we don't want that. Remember the time when Jesus wanted to go to Jerusalem, right? And they didn't accept Jesus. They said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to call fire from heaven. Oh, burn a whole place to, no, this guy's too rough. Get, get rid of them, right? You know what I'm talking about. I'm just helping you. What about Matthew, tax collector? Who likes tax collecting? Hey, we don't need a tax collector here. And let me tell you, he was ruthless. Let's get rid of him. No, he's not my kind of guy. Oh, tax collectors. We'll kick him, fail the CV. Hey, what about Simon the Zealot, extremist? I'm sure he would have wanted to kill the tax collector. So Matthew would sleep with his eye open at night because this guy, you never know, you know, these extremists, you know. True, right? So no, we don't want extremists. Let's get rid of them. What about Andrew, the quiet and reserved one? Never hear anything about him. He was a disciple. Wonderful. Wow. Andrew, he's just there. But let's not forget that actually Andrew introduced, sorry, that um, he introduced his brother, James, to Jesus. Hey? He was the one. The one who didn't hear much. You can read scriptures with Andrew. Do yourself a favor. Go look for Andrew in the Bible. He's like once or twice. Maybe you feel like you in the back and maybe you feel like maybe I'm too quiet. Maybe some of the leaders, you've given up on some people that have been a bit quiet. Ooh. Anyway. What about Thomas? He doubted. It was Jesus. No, we don't want doubters yet. <laughs> Let's get rid of them. Hey? Look, I'm, I'm, just, hey, I'm just trying to help you. Because that's what happens. Because we feel like we don't have platform or we don't have a mic or we don't have an iPad and a nice jacket that actually God can't use us. Maybe some of you are old now and think, oh, okay, maybe I'm expired now. Maybe, maybe I should actually, you know, use my gold card, catch the bus, do my shopping, go home, do the garden. What can I say? Man, you've got every opportunity to be those. And you know what? Can I, can I say this? God is wanting to raise the nameless and faceless people, the doubters and the fishermen, and the quiet and the introverted, to be those that actually says that I can use them. In Acts chapter 4, I'm going to land here. Peter and John, they appear in front of the Sanhedrin. And it says, And when they saw the courage, Acts 4 verse 13, When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. Please don't, I'm not saying that you, please, because I always kind of think in the back of my mind, I'm wondering what people think when I say that, but don't hear what I'm not saying. So they looked at them and said, these were just men and women like you and me. So they were amazed that they were actually those who were able to make a difference. What's the one thing you can't do in heaven other than cry? 
Sorry? Can't share the good news of Jesus. And Isaiah made this, in Isaiah chapter 6, he made this incredible declaration. He says, Here am I, Lord, send me. Something of the response that is required of us here today. It's to say, actually, God, will you use me to be the one that will make a difference? You see, the apostolic adventure begins through the motivation of our mission, which is what? That Jesus is still the longing of the nations. That Jesus and the sacrifice that He made is still relevant today. And God is through you and through me want to say as we make ourselves available, here am I, Lord, send me. He wants to make His appeal known. But why? Because Christ's love for the unsaved needs to compel us. It's a tender moment and I think for a reason. Because sometimes sermons like this is a bit sobering, right? And many of us, you know, I've got a good friend that I'm even today still trusting for his salvation. He's an incredible man. We, I'm incredibly grateful for, the, for his friendship and for but he doesn't know Jesus. And his family don't know Jesus. And every time people say, pray for the unsaved, his name is the first name that comes to mind. And I'm still trusting. I'm on the other side of the globe again, yeah. But I'm trusting that some of the seeds that I've sown, that some would be faithful enough to water that one day there will be a reaping in his life that will take place. That one day when I stand before my Savior, I can look back and see his face. And the face of his wife. The face of his kids. Because actually, Christ died for them. And it's his desire to see them reconciled unto him. I pray that maybe one day I'll be the one that will open the door to say, come, let me bring you back to the place you can be with Jesus. So can I ask you, would you stand? So I won't be much longer. I do want to honor your time. Guys are still seeming to be engaged. You still okay? Worst challenge this morning? Oh, good, three of you, that's great. No, I'm joking. It just helps me sometimes when I see people respond, makes me feel confident. I'm joking. So maybe, maybe for a moment you're in this place and you've actually never ever accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Can I say that you are loved by God? Warts and all. God doesn't hold our past against us because our future is far more glorious 
Jesus died on the cross to do what only He could do so that we can have fellowship and communion with our Father in heaven. So if that's you, if you've never accepted Christ, can I, can I ask you to be bold enough to just indicate it's important that we give opportunity. If you've never accepted Jesus and we won't embarrass you, you're under the submission of the eldership of this church. So that's you, if you've never accepted Jesus, can I ask, maybe just, maybe you all are Christians, that's fine, I'm okay with that. I won't embarrass you, but just don't want to move on. Wonderful. So now I guess the challenge is this. Who are you trusting for? Because today is the day that God is calling us again to say, actually, it's time to rise. It's time to be front-footed again. Let me tell you, society wants to shut us out. But you know what? We've got good news. Right? Who's got good news? We've got good news. Jesus died on the cross. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's able to save. He's the answer to this nation. And let me tell you, they want to shut us out. But never, be, like never before, it's a time for us to rise again and say, actually, we are going to be counted. It's not a great suggestion. It's a great instruction. Take this message. And let God make His appeal through you that Jesus is still the longing of this nation. So can I ask, if, if just for a moment, if... If there's anybody that you are trusting for to be saved. Yeah, she's got heaps. Wonderful. We'll take heaps. I love John chapter 14. It says that in my father's house, there are many, many rooms. And so the heaps, there's, there's no housing shortage in heaven. There's no housing crisis. There's many rooms in the Father's house for people to get saved. And so can I ask, if you're trusting this morning for someone to be saved, can I ask, can you put your hand up? So right now, Lord, in Jesus' name, Lord, you see the response, Lord, of every hand that is raised. And Father, ask and pray now in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray. I pray for salvation to come to the households, Father, that we are thinking of. We are thinking of the heaps this morning. I'm thinking of my friend Daniel, God. And I cry out this morning again, Lord, that you would come and bring salvation to the households of those that we trust, for our families and for our friends and for our loved ones, God. Lord, we still agree this morning. Lord, we're standing shoulder to shoulder to say, Lord Jesus, you are still the answer. You are still God's greatest plan to save this planet. And that is through the name of Jesus, through the sacrifice and through dying on the cross, through the shedding of the blood and the forgiveness of sins and through being raised from the dead. Lord, we know that there is power in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray, Lord, over every hand that is raised, Lord, we pray for testimonies to come. Lord, of your goodness, testimonies have come for those this morning, Lord, that, that are desiring and trusting for people to be saved. Can I ask, we need to raise our voices for a moment. We need to raise our Let's shake heaven a little bit. Let's make a resounding sound in the heavens to say, God, we are trusting for our unsaved friends. We are trusting for our unsaved family. But we're making something of a noise this morning. 
Lord, we are persistent. Lord, we pray. Lord, make an appeal through us for our unsaved friends. Lord, our families, our mothers and our fathers. That Lord, and even for our husbands and wives and children. Lord, we stand in the gap this morning and say, Lord, may salvation come. May salvation come now in Jesus' name. Lord, even this morning, a moving and a shaking. Lord, our families, in Jesus' name. We think of those that are lost in desperate situations. And Lord, this morning as a church at the gate, Lord, we raise our voices and say, Lord, begin to help us to think big. Lord, help us to see big. Lord, I pray this morning, Lord, have every hand that is raised. And I pray for this church this morning, Lord, that this church would be a blessing to this neighborhood. Lord, that the gate would be a blessing, Lord, to this to this uh, uh, nation. Lord, that the gate would be a blessing to the nations of the earth. Lord, we think of the, of the Pacific and we continue to pray this morning. Lord, even as Paul prayed, Lord, that you would begin to open doors in Jesus' name. Open doors in our community here. We pray in Papakura, Lord, and, there is, uh, and the neighboring communities now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And Father, I pray now in the precious name of Jesus for the enlargement to take place. Lord, over the leaders and over this church now. In Jesus' name. I want to say to you this morning, the gate that your boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places. And I'm feeling God is saying He's going to begin to change something of your strategy for the next season to come. And I was reminded this morning as I was praying and I was just waiting on God, um, the prophetic word, uh, sorry, the scripture in Luke, um, where Jesus got into the boat with the disciples and He went into the water to preach to the crowd. And when He was done preaching, He said to the fishermen, He says, let your nets down on the other side. And they were perplexed to say, but you know, we were busy. We've been doing stuff. We've caught nothing. And as they followed the prompting and as they followed the strategy from God, the, the nets were so heavy that they called partners and other boats and people to come and help. And, and they were so amazed by this amazing, this amazing catch. And I feel God is saying that He's going to begin to stretch something of your boundary lines in the weeks and in the days to come. He's saying it's time to begin to imagine. It's time to begin to ask. It's time to begin to drink bigger because God wants to begin to do immeasurably more than what you've done in the past. And He's saying that He wants to stretch you into the future to call you to greater things. I feel God is saying as He said to uh, the, the, the fisherman in the boat, He says, chuck your nets on the other side. He's saying there's going to be a strategy and a download from heaven that will see you catch many fish that will see you produce a harvest in the next season and in the weeks and in the months to come. I feel like you need to begin to, to prepare yourselves for what God is wanting to do. I believe that you've been on a trajectory. I believe you, you've, you've, you've heard God. I believe that you've surrendered well to what God has done. I feel God is saying that He's been pleased with what you've done. But He's saying He wants to change something of your tact. He's saying, chuck the net on the other side. I want to say to you, Joseph and Lydia, there's a new strategy in God in this next season for you. There's a new strategy in what He's called you. There's a new strategy in knowing Him. There's a new strategy in leading this church. There's a new strategy in making Him known, not only in this neighborhood, but I believe God is saying, it's time to believe that you can be a blessing to this nation and the nations of the earth. I believe God is then saying, as the picture or the scripture says, that they call partners in other boats to come and help them see what they've done. I believe God is saying, He's going to bring in people. He's going to bring people that can lift your hands. He's going to bring people that are skilled. He's going to bring people along your way that will help you reap the harvest. He's going to bring people that will help you walk into the promises and the fullness and the abundant blessing that God has got for you. In Jesus' name. I want to say to you this morning, 
the gate God has called you to be a blessing be a blessing walk in the fullness you are not too small you are not too insignificant you are great in God's eyes there's an incredible plan there's an incredible future for you go hard follow after him he's going to anoint you he's going to release the very thing that you need in the next season in Jesus name in Jesus name wonderful so Lord I pray open doors for those that are here Lord I pray that we'll make the adjustments and I pray maybe you pray here am I Lord send me here am I Lord use me in whatever area of influence we might find ourselves in So Lord, we commit ourselves to you. Thank you for what you've done here this morning. We honor you. We bless you. In Jesus' name. Wonderful. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amazing. Let's give them another round of applause. Well, what we'd love to do is uh, we'll just get you guys in the middle. I uh, finally we'll just gather around and we're going to pray for them. So come on up. They smell good. They smell really good. They had shells. But um, a great week. Come on up. We're going to pray. Because they've given us so much. So we're going to respond back and pray for them. Father, I just want to thank you for Paul and Monica. And the girls, Lord God, we want to pray, Lord God, as a Lord God, as they just invest into this nation and the nations of the world, Lord God. I pray that they would that you increase, Lord God, and just increase the capacity, Lord God. And Lord, I just want to thank you that they, they are deep wells, Lord God. And I pray that you would fill them to overflowing, Lord God. And as a couple, Lord God, that they'll feel a sense, Lord God, of just uh, your leading into the future, Lord God. And I pray that you would use them, Lord God, even more. Not just in the, uh, in, the, in the networks that we know of, but the networks that you want to actually use them for, Lord God. It's feel for you guys, no, it's outside of the box that you know. That God wants to use you beyond what you know already. And Lord, I want to pray that you give them favor, give them strength. And Lord, to pray that you would use them in a mighty way, Lord God. We thank you for the gift this morning, Lord God. We receive it with both hands. Open arms, Lord God. We say thank you. And Lord, I pray that you bless this family. Bless them, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Finally, so um, in terms of a koha, um, if you, um, what we're going to do is we've got the give envelopes at the back. If you want to bless them, um, well, a koha, just put it on the give envelopes, but just write Paul and Monica. Uh, just a love offering. Um, but please.